I'm going to invite you to take your Bible if you have it with you this morning. And if not, look on your digital device there. But we're going to go to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23 and verse 34. And this morning I want to share with you the message of Easter as preached by the Lord Jesus Christ. Esta mañana vamos a ir a San Lucas, el capítulo 23, el verso 34. Y vamos esta mañana a predicar sobre el mensaje de la Pascua, predicado desde la cruz por nuestro Señor Jesucristo. Only Jesus could be on a cross and still preach. And this morning I want us to go through the message that he delivered from the cross. A message of great importance to each one of our hearts and our lives. San Lucas capítulo 23, verso 34, the Gospel of Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. The Bible said when Jesus was saying, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity that you have given us to gather together to celebrate the risen Savior. We thank you that you have allowed Kingsway Church to gather in this place and together we acknowledge your faithfulness to us throughout this past season. We are so grateful for your abiding presence and the way that you care for us so deeply. We ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning by the power of the word. And I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. When I was growing up, and still in some parts, they practiced this great tradition. But when I was growing up, every week of Holy Week was the church night. Pardon, every night of, church, of Holy Week was the church night. Cuando yo era joven y niño, uh, en la tradición de nuestras iglesias, cada noche de la Semana Santa era una, un día de culto. And usually they would take the seven sayings of the cross and preach them throughout the seven nights of the week. Normalmente tomaban las siete palabras de la cruz y las predicaban a través de esa semana. So today I'm going to condense a week's worth of preaching into just a few minutes. Esta mañana voy a tratar de, en una manera compacta, darles todas las palabras de nuestro Señor desde la cruz en unos breves minutos. But I believe that the seven sayings of Jesus, as they are called, are a message to you and to me and to Beville and to the nations of the world Right now, yo creo que las siete palabras de nuestro Señor de la Cruz son el mensaje de nuestro Dios hacia nosotros, a nuestras vidas, a nuestra ciudad y a nuestra nación. And so I'm going to mention the text out of which they'll be recited and you can uh, look them up later if you have an opportunity to write them down, you should do that. But while Jesus is on the cross, he spoke seven times. Desde la cruz, Jesús habló siete veces. And that message that he spoke began right where I read 
this morning. Este mensaje que él dio ahí comienza en Lucas capítulo 23, verso 34. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. While Jesus has been crucified, and you can imagine the excruciating pain of the cross and the crown of thorns on his head, the nails piercing his hands and feet, he has been flogged uh, by a Roman cat of nine tails, a whip that has beat him within an inch of his life. He's gasping for breath, and he cries out. He says something. And I want you to, to imagine what would be the words or the thoughts that come to a man's mind in a moment like that. Jesus pronounces a statement, and it's so powerful in its impact by itself. But when you imagine the torture he's just endured, it brings a greater weight to it as he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You see, the message of Jesus to every heart and to every life is the forgiveness of God. El, la primer palabra de nuestro Señor que Él habla en medio de esa cruz y ese dolor uh, el cual no se puede imaginar es una palabra que dice, Padre, perdónales porque no saben lo que hacen. Y ese es el mensaje de nuestro Señor a tu vida hoy. Que Él quiere que usted y yo tengamos la experiencia de el perdón de Dios. God wants you, Jesus wants you to experience the forgiveness of God. Now there are some people who think, Pastor Isaac, a God can never forgive me. I have failed too much, I have gone too far. There are others on the other extreme that think, why do I need God's forgiveness? The fact is, friend, that every one of us will someday stand before God and will give an answer to Him for our life. Un día nos pararemos delante de Dios y daremos a Él respuesta por nuestra vida. And on that day, you will wish you had the forgiveness of God. En ese día vas a querer el perdón de Dios. This is what the Bible says. In Psalm 86, verse 5, it says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love toward all who call upon you. That is how a man and a woman who has sinned, has fallen short of God's standard, can be forgiven is by calling upon the Lord. In that place of torture and sacrifice, Jesus called upon God, except Jesus had no sins of his own. So he called upon God on your behalf and on my behalf, and he says, Father, forgive them. Of course, he was talking about the Romans, and he was talking about the, the Jewish leadership that had crucified him. He was talking even about the people walking about that were mocking him. But he was also talking about the sinner all throughout the ages, from Adam until the cross, and from the cross to the last person who will ever be born upon the earth. And for all of them, he has interceded with mercy and said, Father, have mercy on them, forgive them. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near, and let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, for to God and to our God, for he will abundantly forgive. God's forgiveness toward man who asks and call upon him for mercy is abundant. 
It is the type of forgiveness that forgives and forgets. When God forgives a sinner, when God forgives you or me, the Bible said he takes that sin and he buries it in the deepest part of the sea, never to be remembered against you again. There are some things about your past that you can't forget. They've scarred you. They were parts of your life that you wish you hadn't have uh, done or things you wish you hadn't have committed. But you can't get it out of your mind. But I have a place you can go where your sins can be washed away and forgiven completely and never brought up again. And that's the presence of a forgiving father. Shout amen if you believe that. The next word from the cross is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Luego vemos en Lucas 23, el verso 43, la segunda palabra del Señor. And he, he speaks now to one of the criminals that has been crucified with him. You know the story. Jesus was crucified and on either side of him were two criminals. Both of these men had obviously con committed crimes worthy of capital punishment. Él ahora está crucificado entre dos malhechores. Estos hombres habían cometido un crimen suficiente malo para merecer el, la, la, la muerte. And one of them, or perhaps both of them at the beginning are cursing and they are, they are swearing and they're even mocking Jesus. Ellos están maldiciendo y están aún burlándose de Jesús. But then one of them, he must have looked at Jesus and realized this man is not cursing. This man is not swearing, he's not blaspheming God, he's not, he's not persecuting the Romans, he is asking God for mercy toward them, and he looks to Jesus and he realizes that he is in the presence of an extraordinary man. Something more came upon him. He must have realized that he was in the presence of the Son of God because he cried out to the Lord and he said, Remember me when you get into your kingdom. He acknowledged there was something different about Jesus. This was no ordinary man. He certainly wasn't a criminal. He says, remember me. Jesus saw the faith in that man. Who had only had faith for a few seconds or a few minutes. But Jesus recognized the faith in him. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesús ve la fe de aquel malhechor que le dice, acuérdate de mí cuando estés en tu reino. Era una fe muy infantil, una fe muy nueva, no nada más que unos breves segundos, pero esa fe, fe fue reconocida por Dios. Y dice la escritura que Jesús le dijo, hoy estarás conmigo en el paraíso. Here we have another message from Christ. Aquí está el segundo mensaje de Jesús, and that is that in Christ we have the promise of eternal life. En Cristo tenemos la promesa de la vida eterna. How could someone who was dying speak of with, with certainty about things after death? ¿Cómo podría un hombre muriendo hablar con certidumbre sobre las cosas que venían después de la muerte? Unless he was the son of God and unless he knew that in three days he would be raised from the dead with power and with great glory. Él sabía que en tres días sería resucitado de entre los muertos. And so he spoke the words that he knew. Él habló lo que él sabía y dijo, este día, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. You realize the promise of God is not a tomorrow promise. 
God's salvation message to you is not for tomorrow. It is for today. If you will call upon Jesus to save you, he will save you that very moment you call upon him. Aren't you glad that God has a plan for your life? And that plan begins right now in your heart, right where you're sitting. If you'll just open up your heart to Christ, that very moment you can be saved. And that very moment you can be given the promise of eternal life. La promesa de Dios es para hoy. Ese mismo día que tú aceptes al Señor como tu Salvador, ese mismo día eres salvo. So I want to encourage you today, if you have been walking away from the Lord, you've been distant from Him, or maybe you have not come to know Him as your Savior, meet Him today. Make Christ the Lord of your heart today. Because there is an eternal life. All of us will live forever somewhere. Hay una vida eterna y todos vamos a vivir en algún lugar. The Bible says some will live in eternal condemnation, others in eternal in the eternal presence of God. It all depends upon whether a man has acknowledged Jesus as his Lord. And so I encourage you, don't put it off another day. Don't wait till next Easter or to Christmas. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. And the day that you come to Christ will be the day of a new birth. It'll be the day of a new beginning. Why not make it today? El día que usted le dé su vida a Cristo será un nuevo nacimiento y una nueva vida para usted. ¿Por qué esperar? Dígale sí al Señor hoy. The third message of the cross is found in John chapter 19, verse 26. El tercer mensaje de la cruz se encuentra en Juan 19, verso 26. Jesus is looking down from the cross and he sees his mother. Jesús está ahí en la cruz, ha crucificado, pero él ve a su madre. Dice la escritura que cuando él la vio, él, él dijo estas palabras. When he saw her, he said these words. Beside her was the apostle John. Al lado de, él, de ella estaba el apóstol Juan. Y Jesús habla y dice, madre, he aquí tu hijo. Y hijo, he aquí tu madre. He says, woman, behold thy son. Now normally, when, uh, when you think about adoption, you think about parents adopting children. But in this case, Jesus adopted his mother over to John. And now John has just received a mother by adoption. When Jesus is looking down from the cross, he's thinking just like all of us think. What about my family? What about the people I love? What about my husband, my wife, my sons, my daughters? What's going to happen to them? And he shows us the third message this morning, and that is that in Christ we have the compassion of God. I don't know if you've thought about it lately, but you and I serve a compassionate Savior. We serve a God who cares. There's no, no issue in your life, great or small, that God does not care about. No hay asunto de tu vida, grande o pequeño, que Dios no tenga interés de ello. God cares, God loves, and God knows. Dios uh, tiene cuidado de tu vida. And today he uh, wants to teach our nation from the cross. Él este día nos enseña a nuestra nación de, de la cruz. Because you see, our nation has gone into a place of violence. It's gone to a place 
of, of iniquity where it has hardened its heart toward God and many have hardened their hearts toward one another. And I want to encourage you today, if you, if you have parents far away, give them a call today. Make sure your mom and dad hear from you. Maybe you have children today that you haven't spoken to in a long time because there's some offense between you. It's time to lay that down today because your family is a gift from God and it is worth everything. Treasure it so long as you can have it. Si usted es un padre una madre y no, no le ha hablado a sus hijos por mucho tiempo porque hay ofensas, es tiempo de perdonarlo. Es tiempo de dejarlo ir porque está perdiendo tiempo y la familia es el tesoro que Dios le ha dado a usted. Jesus wants you to know that he cares about family issues. A Jesús le interesan los asuntos familiares. When you think about the Bible, you think about the, the family of Israel. You think about God calling us his family. We're called the children of God. Jesus is called the son of God. Because God is a family God. Nuestro Dios en la Biblia se revela como un Dios familiar. Él habla de la familia de Israel. Él habla de los hijos de Dios. A Jesús le llama el hijo de Dios. ¿Por qué? Porque a Dios le interesan los asuntos familiares. The Bible tells us that God commands us to honor our father and our mother. And the Bible tells parents not to provoke their children to wrath. This is God's message to you this morning in an age where the family is disintegrating. I want to encourage you this Easter to call, to pull close together as a family and fight together for the things that God has promised you. Shout amen if you do it. There's a saying in our culture, it says that charity begins at home. True love must begin at home. It won't do for you to say yes sir and yes ma'am at work and then come home and slam cabinet doors and be angry at everybody. You've got to show love at home. I didn't hear any amens this morning. He said, Pastor, I thought this was an Easter message. I didn't think you were going to get into my business this morning. God is concerned about your family, and he wants you to know his peace in your home. The fourth message of the cross. The hardest of them for any preacher to ever preach. I don't think anyone can ever really understand the profound statement that Jesus makes in Mark Chapter 15 and verse 34. There in the middle of the day, the Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. At noon, the sun went dark. There was darkness over all the land. And in the darkness, so that no one could see the transaction that was taking place between the Father and the Son. In the darkness, it's as though God pulled a curtain over His Son and all they could hear was His voice. And He cried out as the cup of God's wrath was falling upon Him. And He said, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? El cuarto clamor de la cruz es este, Dios mío, Dios mío, ¿por qué me has desamparado? Now I want you to try to follow me this morning because all of us, we were born separated from the Father. Todos nosotros esta mañana, cuando nacimos, nacimos separados del Padre. That's the result of sin. Ese es el resultado del pecado. Sin separated us from God. El pecado nos separó de Dios. 
But Jesus was never at odds with the Father. Jesús jamás fue, estuvo en un lugar de, de conflicto con el Padre. Él era el perfecto Hijo de Dios. He was the perfect, sinless Son of God. But in order to be our Savior, He had to come under the rejection of God. Para poder ser nuestro Salvador, Él tuvo que pasar el rechazo de Dios. He would have to endure the separation from the Father. Él tendría que pasar la separación entre Él y el Padre. And on that cross, our Holy Savior cries out as, as one who's been separated from God. And He says, why have you forsaken me? En esa cruz, Él clama como aquel hombre separado de Dios y dice, ¿por qué me has desamparado? Here we see the message of the cross is acceptance with the Father. Aquí vemos que el mensaje de la cruz es ser aceptado por Dios. Or you see, His rejection became your acceptance. His separation became your unity to God. Su rechazo se hizo nuestra aceptación delante de Dios. Y su separación se hizo nuestra cercanía a Dios. Do you realize today that because he was far from God on that day, you and I can draw near to God on this day by faith and be received as sons and daughters of our great father. Come on, give God praise because his son has built a bridge. Dios ha enviado su hijo a edificar un puente sobre su cruz entre Dios y los hombres. Do you feel far from God today? Do you feel rejected? Just look to the cross. If you're ever tempted to think God doesn't care, God doesn't know, God doesn't love, just look to the cross. And you'll see there the message of God to you. It's draw near to me. My son has already paid the price of separation. He's already paid the price of rejection. And now a door of access has been opened to the living God. Why would anyone stay outside? When the door is so wide open to come in. The Bible says today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your heart. Today if you hear the Holy Spirit calling you. And saying it's time to serve the Lord. It's time to seek God. Don't harden your heart. Run into that door. Because there's a father waiting for you who loves you with an everlasting love. And he's been drawing you. You're not here by accident this morning. You're here because God's love has been drawing you to himself. God wants to close the gap between you and him. Then in John chapter 19 verse 28 we have the fifth saying of the cross. The Bible says, and after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished in order that the scriptures would be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. Aquí vemos el quinto clamor de la cruz en Juan capítulo 19, verso 28. Nuestro Señor clama sabiendo que todas las cosas están cumplidas y dice, se tengo. What is the message of this? ¿Cuál es el mensaje de esto? The message is simple. You and I have a sympathetic Savior. El mensaje de esta expresión es que usted y yo tenemos un Salvador que se puede simpatizar de nosotros. Un Salvador que entiende. 
You see, God didn't send an angel to save you because an angel doesn't know what it's like to be you. An angel doesn't know what it's like to be hungry. An angel doesn't know what it's like to be thirsty. An angel doesn't know what it's like to pay taxes every April 15th. But Jesus came as a man. And he suffered the same things you and I suffer. He had to suffer the, the burial of his, of his stepfather, Joseph. He went through the loss of a parent. He also suffered the, the humiliation of the world. He suffered the same fatigue and, and, and weariness that you and I experience. He also became hungry and had to eat. He also became thirsty and had to drink. And here on the cross, we're reminded that our God became like us. If you study the religions of the world, all of them call you to become like them. They called man to become like God, but our God didn't do that. He didn't require you to become like him because no one could do that. Instead, he became like us. When we could not come to where he was, he came to where we were. And he became our all-sufficient Savior and sacrifice. Tenemos en Cristo un Salvador el cual se hizo tal como nosotros. Su humanidad es revelada en este dicho desde sed tengo para que usted y yo entendamos que tenemos un Salvador que nos ama y que se hizo como nosotros. Sufrió como usted y yo sufrimos. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 it says we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are and yet without sin. You and I have a high priest who knows what it's like to be us. And so this morning, if you say, Pastor Isaac, does God know? Does God understand? Yes, he does. Does God know what it's like to go through a pandemic? Jesus suffered the pandemic on the cross. Does God know what it's like to be lonely, to feel rejected? Jesus suffered that on the cross. Does God know what it's like to, to feel like your family is being torn apart? Jesus suffered it on the cross. And your sympathetic Savior is reaching down to you this morning to let you know that he knows and that he cares. And he's walking beside you. He's promised you his enduring presence every day of your life. Because he has become like you, now you can become like him. Because he became a man, now you can become a child of God. Now you can experience fellowship with the Father. Come on, that's the best trade-off ever made in eternity. That you and I have been given access to eternal life and to becoming the children of God. Shout amen if you believe that. The sixth saying of the cross we find in John chapter 19, verse 30. In Juan 19, 30, tenemos el último, perdón, el sexto mensaje de la cruz. Here we see Jesus crying out and saying, it is finished. How about you help me and say that together? It is finished. Jesus on the cross declared that his atoning sacrifice was finished. 
That it was enough. Allí en la cruz, el mensaje de nuestro Señor es que Él nos ha dado un, un sacrificio suficiente. Do you know there are people that live their whole life trying to earn God's love, trying to earn God's forgiveness, trying to earn God's favor? Do you realize, friend, that you cannot earn it? It can only be received by faith. Jesus finished the work at the cross. There's nothing you can add to it. Say amen, somebody. There's nothing you can add to it. The work of Christ is finished. El trabajo de nuestra redención está completo. You and I today have a finished work. A finished gospel. Usted y yo tenemos un, una obra completa, un mensaje completo. Our, our gospel this morning is not one of works that men can do. But it is the finished work of the Son of the living God. Nuestro mensaje esta mañana no es de las obras de los hombres, sino que es de la obra de un Dios perfecto, el cual ha, ha, ha hecho el trabajo completo, completamente. When you come to Jesus, you receive complete salvation. When you come to Jesus, you receive complete redemption. When you come to Jesus, you have complete forgiveness. When you come to Jesus, you have complete justification. You have complete remission of sins. You have complete sanctification come on somebody when you come to Jesus you have a complete healer when you come to Jesus you have a complete Lord when you come to Jesus you come to a finished work say it again it is finished if there had been one single thing left undone Jesus would not have been raised from the dead For the Bible said he was raised because of our justification. Because he finished the work of justifying you, he is now going to be risen from the dead. And he wants you to come to him because you've tried it your way. And it hasn't worked. We always try our own way. And our own way leaves us let down. And incomplete. But if you'll come to God by faith, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And do you know that the Holy Spirit's a finisher? Let's have a little bit stronger. Amen. The Holy Spirit's a finisher. The Bible said that he that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So don't look at yourself in the mirror and be disappointed because you're not the Christian that you thought you'd be by now. You let the Holy Spirit continue working in you and he will finish the work that he has started in your life. That's God's promise to you this morning. That's why every time you try to get away from him, he just pulls you right back. He says, I'm not done with you yet. Aren't you glad he doesn't let go? Aren't you glad he doesn't abandon you? Aren't you glad there aren't unfinished projects in God's garage? Everything God starts, God finishes because he's a finisher. And finally, we have the last saying of the cross. We find it in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Luego en Lucas capítulo 23, el verso 46, tenemos el último dicho de la cruz, la última expresión, the final message of the cross. Jesus says, Father... Into your hands I commend my spirit. Él dice, Padre, en tus manos encomiendo mi espíritu. 
What's the message here, Pastor? The message here is that in Christ we have an invitation to become sons of God. En Cristo tenemos una invitación a hacernos hijos de Dios. Let's just try to unpack that thought for a minute. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's literally saying, my whole being, my thoughts, my emotions, my feelings, my experiences, my past, my present, what I love, what I despise, everything about me, my whole being, I'm committing it to you. I'm entrusting myself to you. That is an incredible thought. Because human beings, you know, we, we give ourselves away in pieces. I'll let you know me this much. I'll let you know these things about me. But when God invites us to come to him, he invites us to give our whole self to him. It's an act of supreme trust. That's why the Bible calls it faith. It's saying to God, by faith, God, I commit my whole life to you. My spirit, that eternal part of me, part of me that's going to live on forever, I have to trust it to you. I can't trust it to the federal government. They won't know what to do with it. I can't trust it to a bank. They won't know what to do with it. My whole spirit I have to give to the God of heaven. My life, my days, my Monday through Fridays, my weekends, my marriage, the raising of my children, the church I attend, the ball games I attend, the food I like, all of it, God, I am trusting to you. So that when you say, Isaac, I don't want that in your life, then I trust you to let it go. And when you say, Isaac, I want you to go down this path instead of that one, I say, but God, I'd rather go down this path because I know this one, but you know best. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do it your way. Jesus teaches us to give a wholehearted, complete, and absolute surrender to God. To give him your heart, your soul, your life. He said, preacher, that sounds really hard and really dangerous. Usted dice, quizá, pastor, cuando Dios invita a darnos todo a él, todo el alma a él, eso parece muy difícil. Un poco peligroso. But you see, when you give your life to Christ, you're, you're giving it to the compassionate Savior. To the God who knows the past, the present, and the future, and who has demonstrated his love toward you. Because while you and I were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. And if you ask any person who's ever given their life to Christ, can you trust God with your life? What would we say? If someone asks you, can you trust God with your life, what would you say? As a little boy, I trusted God with my life. 
And along the way, I've, I've seen God do things in my life that I could never have imagined or done on my own. And I've trusted him when he says yes, and I've trusted him when he said no, and I've trusted him when he said maybe, or not maybe, but wait. And all along I have discovered that there is only one place where a man's life is safe. Where a man's life can be stable. There is only one place where a, where a person can be at peace in the middle of a storm. In the middle of a pandemic where a family can be at rest. That place is the heart of God. And when you give your life to him, you're giving yourself to the safest place that you can trust. The Bible says that no one who ever trusted in him has ever been put to shame. That's why Jesus Christ on the third day after he had been mocked and ridiculed and crucified and scorned, forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, rejected by all but loved by the Father into whose hands he had entrusted his spirit. The Bible tells us that as the sun came up that Sunday morning, the dead body of Jesus began to breathe again and that that the body began to move again and the Savior was alive again come on somebody alive alive forevermore because no one who ever trusts in the Lord will ever be put to shame he said in Psalm 16 in you I have trusted and you have not allowed my body to see decay. The promise was prophesying the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you this morning to put your trust in Christ as your Savior. To make Him the Lord of your life. To take the things you don't understand and the things that you're, that are hurting you and just give them over to him. Trust him with your whole life. And you'll receive from him the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive from him the compassionate love and grace of God. You'll receive from him a new family. A spiritual family. You'll receive from him nearness and acceptance with the Father. You'll receive from him the understanding of the Almighty. You'll receive from Him the gift of eternal life. Would you say yes to Christ this morning? I want to invite you to stand with me. And I want to pray over you and I want to ask you to say yes to Christ. To make Him the Lord of your life. So I want you to just bow your head where you are and just open up your heart to the Lord and invite Him to speak to you. Father, this morning we've gathered in this place to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. We've gathered here to remember His sacrifice. Now we've heard His message. And I pray that if there's anyone within the sound of my voice, either in this baseball park or online, who doesn't know you as their Savior, 
who hasn't walked with you and known your forgiveness of their sins, I pray today that the convicting of the Holy Spirit would come. A conviction of sin and of wrath and of judgment. That they would turn their heart to you. That they would come to you for cleansing. For the removal of sins. For the forgiveness which can only be found in the blood of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm not inviting you to be a member of Kingsway Church. We certainly want you to do that. But that's not what this invitation is about. This morning, if you say, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to trust him as my Savior. And I want to ask you just to lift your hand real high so I can see it. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I see you there, several of you. If you make that decision today, you'll never regret it. Jesus is calling. He's waiting. Now, if you lifted your hand, would you just pray this prayer with me? And if you mean it from your heart, God's going to hear you today and save you today. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned against God. I deserve judgment. But this morning, I fall upon your mercy. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And to give me a new start today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. That you rose on the third day. So that I could have eternal life. And today by faith, I receive your forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. And I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior and my Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you made that prayer this morning from your heart, God has heard you. And he has documented it in heaven. And you have begun a new life with Christ. Let's give the Lord thanks for that this morning. Come on, let's give the Lord thanks for that this morning. The dead have risen this morning. The lost have been found. Now, to somebody this morning that says, Pastor, I know the Lord, but I haven't been walking with him lately. I haven't been serving him lately. Today, he's calling you home. It's telling you it's time to serve me. It's time to live for me. It's time to give me your all. Would you just right where you are, just make a decision today and say, I am going to follow Jesus no matter what comes into my life. I've got to get into fellowship with God. Make that decision today. And those of you who are walking with the Lord, let's just celebrate that fact this morning. That you and I have been given fellowship with the Almighty. That because we have trusted in him, we know that he is the one that cares for us. That he is the one that ministers life to us and healing to us. He is our living savior this morning. And he is present right here in Joe Hunter Field to work miracles in your life.
to heal your body, to restore your marriage, to destroy the yoke that's on your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mighty God, we pray for the ministry of the Spirit in this place. I pray healing for the sick this morning. In Jesus' name.